Welcome to the Shelformist Podcast, the show about toys, why we like them, our connections to the figures, and their relevance to bigger topics. I'm Sugu, your co-host, and today we're going to talk about a new book that's coming out, uh, or is already out, depending on uh, the time, uh, and actually the format. Uh, we're going to talk about Darb's new book, um, Nothing Ever Ends. And I'm your co-host, Darby, and we'll be talking about me, yay, I guess, and then <laughs> also potentially uh, Ever the Hero, Eververse action figures, and why that needs to happen. Before we begin, by way of introduction, I'm Darby Harn, the author of the novels Ever the Hero and A Country of Eternal Light. I'm a senior writer for Screen Rant and a contributor for Star Wars Newsnet. I am also part of the Movie News Network podcast, talking all things movies, TV, and pop culture. I collect comic books, Star Wars toys, and things I really should not be buying. <laughs> and I'm Sugu, your co-host. I work in IT and education, and I'm also passionate about writing and story. You can find some of my travel writings on allaboutjapan.com, where I've written various articles about my life and perspectives in Japan. I collect mostly Transformers, but I've recently started collecting Marvel Legends figures and die-cast cars, such as Hot Wheels. Since living in Japan, I've developed an interest in tabletop gaming, so I also have a wide collection of board games. So tonight we're going to take a little break from current toys in our collection and talk about maybe potentially future toys from Darb's own Eververse. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like custom Marvel Legends styled Eververse figures. Uh, but in actually serious, we're going to be talking about Darb. You've got now three books in the Eververse uh, series mm -hmm. published plus two uh novellas is that correct two yeah and you've got uh the third book just around the corner i've pre-ordered it on amazon and they won't tell me when i can expect <laughs> it on my doorstep yeah the print situation is challenging at the moment but uh it is out it's uh as we record this it's october 2nd book came out october 1st so you can get one. I have my I have my proof copy, which you can see. But, um, but yeah. How do you feel? Exciting. Uh, how do I feel, boy? I feel a lot of different things with this book. This book has been sort of a really long uh, road and challenge. Um, it's started off as what I thought misguidingly thought was the easiest of the three books i wrote it the fastest i wrote this the first draft in a blind fit of just energy back in the beginning of 2018 and uh it was a beneficiary of um sort of the exploration and sort of excitement and sort of burgeoning imagination that the first two books did and then then things got really complicated and um it went through it evolved a little bit the core story is actually the same um 
the sort of concept of the story, which um, I'll talk about a little bit. Um, but it changed pretty substantially. I think I mentioned on another episode that I this was a uh, page one rewrite mm-hmm. at uh, one point, um, which w- was very challenging. There's a point where I thought the book didn't work and therefore the series didn't work. And it was a very not good existential moment of sort of creative crisis. And as we record this, uh, there's this real sense of finality. And I don't know if accomplishment is the right word. I really honestly don't. But a real sense of finality to getting to this point that has to do with not just this, these three books, which, just to be clear, this isn't the final book in the series. It's not a trilogy. It's actually, we can actually talk about this maybe today, because uh, I don't think I've done a good job of talking about it so far uh, in general. Um, this is actually nine books, uh, this series, and this is actually just the beginning. Mm-hmm. And um, but uh, just creatively and and um, in a lot of ways, this, it felt it feels like something final, feels like an ending, and it's uh, coupled with the fact of uh, I'm suffering from just sort of severe burnout and severe fatigue and. Um, and everything like that, uh, it's sort it's it's landing a lot of different ways right now. So that's Burn a lot. Burnout and fatigue <laughs> in regards to, to the book, in terms of life. Life. Um, um, I'm. Uh, I'm in. Yeah, I'm burnout. I'm creatively exhausted. I'm not writing at all right now. Mm-hmm. Um, exhausted in life. I, I've sort of been a, a walking zombie now for a long time. I've been working. One of the benefits of um, wor- being a freelancer and working from home is that the last 18 months uh, with the pandemic were not sort of exceptional. I, there, I wasn't interrupted in my work life mm-hmm. um, in the way that so many people were. Um, but what did happen is that I actually, my workload actually increased exponentially and I was chatting with someone the other day. And then in the last 18 months, I've, I, I, you know, right, well, right, just right now I write for three different websites. I do two different podcasts. I've published four books in the last two years, which is, I didn't write those four books in the last two years. Uh, but I, I published them, uh, in addition to a lot of other life stuff, which I, I won't, I won't bore people <laughs> with here, but uh, the last eighteen months have been, as they've been for many people, uh, have just been utterly draining and exhausting. It's finally caught up to me. I haven't had a proper day off mm-hmm. since this all started. Um, I don't have any time off. I don't get any time off. I work twelve hours a day or more every day, uh, and uh, it's there's just nothing left. I have nothing left, and um, that's uh, health-wise, it's not been good. Uh, not to get personal, not to get too personal, but uh, but uh, it's sort of so to get to this point, it, which it, with uh, Abby here, nothing ever ends. I, I I call the books by their by their character names. Uh, to get to this point is is an accomplishment. I should feel relieved. I should feel proud and excited. I don't. I feel just exhausted. You're just ready for it to be over. Yeah, and it's over for sure. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I, I love Abby. Abby and I go way back. Uh, we will not be hanging out for a while. Yeah, 
she's you've you've released the book into the wild and now you can just sit back and watch it yep yeah and you can watch abby from from a safe distance yeah for sure okay um well definitely you know congratulations for for finishing the book and and getting it out there uh i you you've mentioned quite a lot of stuff like it's there are nine books now do you have the last chapter of book nine written and then stored in a safe somewhere I have some notes, actually. I know what the ending is. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have some notes on what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, the ending of the whole of the whole universe. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I actually wrote that uh, a while ago. I've known what it is for a while. Yeah. Okay. Very briefly, um, can you give a quick summary of book one and two, so our audience kind of knows what to expect to get when yeah. they start or in three. Yeah, I'm sure people are probably wondering, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> um, so, yeah, maybe I'll just give a brief sort of tutorial because we have not talked. We talked about Kid in the Eververse, but um, not in any kind of detail. And yeah. I do I do appreciate people uh, indulging me as I talk about it. Um, it does correspond to a lot of the things we talk about in terms of uh, superheroes and the genre. And in this book in particular, Nothing Ever Ends, um, is uh, it's been interesting because the multiverse is everything now um, in terms of media, certainly with the MCU and about to be with the DCEU, those movies uh, in next year. But um, it's so Abby deals with the multiverse, but that's probably a good place to start because that the multiverse is actually part of Ever the Hero from the beginning. Ever the Hero is book one in the series. It's about Kit Baldwin, young woman uh, living in a town called Breakpoint in which uh, is suffering uh, from a lot of things. Uh, the biggest thing is that it, an alien ship uh, from another dimension uh, from the multiverse crashed there in 1968 and her world uh, gave everybody, not everybody, gave a lot of people superpowers. A lot of those people with superpowers later incorporated into a company in which... So in this world, people don't help you out. Superman doesn't come and help you cross the street or Spider-Man doesn't save your cat from a tree. If you want help from a superhero, you have to pay for it, literally. It's a service. Uh, and Breakpoint is broke. Uh, it's bankrupt. It's suffering from municipal decay. Cannot afford a superhero contract. Superheroes don't help you. And... Um, that leads to a lot of negative stuff. As this is going on, Kit's just trying to make ends meet. Um, she meets one of the superheroes, Valene Blackwood, who in her world is the equivalent of Princess Diana and Superman, I guess, rolled up into one. She is the most famous and most powerful of the superheroes. Valene, though, suffering from a medical affliction. Kit uh, tries to help her and in the process discovers this alien artifact of enormous power Kit does the thing you're never supposed to do in stories, which is to mess around with this thing and then gains uh, superpowers, alien powers, I should say, properly. That's book one. <laughs> book right. two. A lot of ground has to cover in that first book. There's a lot going on in book one. It's a lot of fun. Book two then switch. I won't spoil book one, but book two switches to Valine's perspective. Valene is again the uh, she becomes the head of the corporation Great Power. 
the superhero corporation and Valine has uh, retreated to space in the interim uh, to cure, to try to overcome her medical condition, which is Valine's power is to do with sound. Uh, she is inundated by all the sound in the world. She can't function. It'd be like someone screaming in your ear all day and night. Uh, she gets to a place in book two. I no real spoilers. Uh, people can see this on the uh, when you go to buy the book. Uh, she gets to a place where she's able to function. She returns to Earth. Uh, people try start trying to kill her. Uh, a lot of political intrigue in book two. A lot of uh, palace intrigue. Uh, it's a whodunit. It's a conspiracy thriller. Um, who's at, who's trying to get her and why? Uh, a lot of possible candidates are trying to do it. It leads to some really unexpected places for Valine and everybody, which leads us to book three. And this is the thing I've not been able to talk about in three years. It's like, no, but it, by the way, we talk about, we have fun when we talk about the MCU and stuff, spoilers and everything like that. Nobody cares about spoilers for Darby's books, the Eververse. <laughs> Which hey, is I care. I'm I'm gonna be reading book three soon. It's a shame. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, it's a shame because uh, this uh, book two ends with what I would consider the biggest spoiler in the entire series to date. Right. Uh, so far. Just so far. Uh, just, just so f spoilers for the the four of you who will actually care. <laughs> um, uh, if you haven't read the books and you want to duck out, might be a good point to duck out here for a minute. Skip to uh, 20 seconds in the future. Yeah. Uh, book, book two ends with the revelation that uh, Abby, who is Kit's girlfriend, and uh, generally very nice, warm, cute, and cuddly person, is none of those things. Um, she is the assassin uh, behind uh, the plot, and why that is gets investigated in book three. Nothing ever ends. So book two ends with a lot of tragedy, which I won't unpack here entirely, but um, Abby's gone on the run. She's gone on the run in the multiverse. Uh, she's run right out of her reality. Mm -hmm. She's gone to another one uh, to try to basically start over. She's starting over with a different kit. Um, and in the process of doing is very, there's a lot to that. In the process of doing that, she discovers something, uh, something very bad. And she has to get home to her reality if she can to warn the others, to warn, uh, to warn the people in her reality if they'll listen to her or if they'll care. And mm -hmm. um, they should care because it's bad. Um, it's multiverse. So the multiverse. Everything is bad. Yeah, and as with for fo for fans of Loki and the multiverse concept in general. Uh, you can probably kind of imagine how some of this works. Uh, there are variants, to use the term the MCU do, does uh, in this book of characters. Um, and uh, some of them are not not nice. And right. um, um, But it's not a... Um, it's, it's not sort of... Uh, well, the multiverse, like I said, is, is sort of is a is a major sort of core concept in the series, and and it's a theme going forward. So it's 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 like literally all I think or talk about these days as we sort of consider all this stuff and the comics and the movies and TV and everything like that. And 
books that I'm reading and then books that I'm writing. And so I found myself sort of just sort of sitting back and sort of considering all of it. And because and, my interest in it goes back to when I was a kid, sort of the stuff that inspired these books, the series. But um, uh, I'd be interested to see what people's sort of reaction is as they read. I'm actually very anxious to know what people think of Abby in general, this book, because this is the sort of, I've always sort of viewed this as this is the one where you're in or you're out. Mm. Like, you know, like with this whole thing, like this either works or it doesn't, you know? Um, well, it's your third been, book, which means, or a third book in the series, which means that your, your story is now kicking off, right? It's, it's got its inner is, momentum mm-hmm. now. Yeah, for folks, so I mentioned earlier, this is nine books, and so if you were to view these sort of nine sections as sort of a three-act play, this is the end of Act One, and this is the uh, inciting incident. This is where the thing happens mm-hmm. in the macro story of the series. Um, I won't say anything about that, but um, I, obviously Abby's journey uh, through this book is, is in the... Pr- she just this unfolds in the course of her journey yeah in addition to the three books if someone wants to keep up with the eververse uh shenanigans shall we say or the the things happening in the eververse there are two two other uh novellas that you've written yeah at the moment there are two um and then you on the website darbyharn.com there is a post about the timeline of all this and then now in the book i'm including the timeline too you can't see it but um the uh so there's a little nifty graphic there that gives you a timeline of the sequence to date um to give people an idea um i do have a strategy uh will become apparent next year the book next year will be a collection of the novellas and short stories um which to this point broadly take place between books one and two um and then uh, those are um, a lot there's a lot of series that sort of you know contain a lot of sort of uh, short work that are sort of viewed as supplemental um these are i i would consider these essential actually i would say you want to read all the way to the end of the story collection next year uh, well, it's very, uh, for, for folks who hopefully enjoy the series and are interested where the series is going, stay to the very end. But, um, the, uh, yeah, um, but, uh, I have the two novellas, so the collection will be collecting the novellas, which are out now. There's a third novella, which will be only in the collection. Okay. And then stories, which are only in the collection as well. Yeah. So that's, that's next year. Yeah. Okay, full disclosure, I have not yet read the uh um the short stories, the novellas. Jeez. They're they're digital only. That's right. Yeah, they're all ebook only. Yeah. yeah. So, should I read those before starting the third? No, I wouldn't say you have to. Um the way that I've hopefully structured them um is that they're 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 not necessary plot-wise, certainly, the two novellas. Mm-hmm. Um, they're thematically relevant, and that becomes apparent as they go on, as the whole thing goes on. Um, there are things that happen in book three that will make enormous sense to people who have read um, the the first novella, Bloodback, in particular. Okay. Um, if you haven't read it, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. Um, but... Um, 
it works on two levels hopefully at this stage um where it's it's everything hopefully is an introduction and but if you but if you know what's going on then it probably reads differently now you mentioned that ever the hero takes place in kit's perspective the judgment of valine that takes place in valine's perspective and mm. nothing ever ends takes place in abby's perspective how mm. about bloodback sorry so blood the yeah go ahead yeah, I said Bloodback and the novellas are all kit. Um, and the way that I got to the novellas was that originally I wrote these three books, uh, the first drafts in 2018, and and, and so I thought this was um, maybe it. Um, and I was sort of, I sort of, I wrote Kit and then Val and then Abby, and then I got sort of where I missed Kit, and I didn't think, the Kit was sort of like, well, hey, I'm not done. And uh, that's where sort of Bloodback came from. And then Bloodback was like, unlocked the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, oh, this is actually very, this is sort of a broad sort of, there's all these doors and, and windows into this world, broader world. And that allowed me to explore. And it allows me to sort of keep uh, touch with Kit as I explore these other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, Kit is the main character of the entire series, although the books are sort of a daisy chain uh, sort of a le- relay race where the POV shifts from one character to another mm-hmm. as the through the main books. The novellas and short stories will be, I think, largely kit. There might be some exceptions to that. We'll see as we go. How did you decide to to have that type of relay race or that kind of yeah like, pass the pass the baton? Uh, it was a product of uh, experimenting with a multi-POV structure in Ever the Hero. So this is a big world with a lot of characters, all of whom are, uh, to me, are equally interesting, their perspectives. And I experimented early on with what I would call a Game of Thrones sort of structure, where in the books, um, Martin sort of shifts POV, like every chapter is like a different POV character. And I thought that might be, that might work in this case because there's all these different poles of influence and all these different characters who are integral to the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just did not work at all. That that in, there's, in a movie that would happen or a TV show that would happen, you're, the camera is gonna drift to other characters and you would get scenes in the moment from the perspective of other characters. But that didn't work in the book uh and then the other thing that didn't work was writing it from the third person limited um this was structurally creatively a straight jacket and i made in the process of writing book three i realized that really these books want to be in the first person um i've said before a few times on the pod as i've talked about the the books and writing in general as i'm i'm mostly interested in voice I'm mostly interested in character, exploring character. The third person is fascinating. It, it's I, I love reading it. Um, the people who do it and do it well are, are a, a tremendous. Um, but it, it's distancing for me as a writer. And what I love in, in writing is the exploration of a voice and sort of the, the music and the sound of a person. And so once I, for me, just creatively in general, uh, once I realized that in the course of writing these books, and Abby was instrumental in that, Abby is, I would say, the most voicey 
of all these characters uh, you know people commented on how you know she's there no one ever has trouble identifying when abby is talking um mm-hmm. uh once I found that, then I simultaneously realized that really what I want to do is I want to explore each one of these characters in turn. So instead of alternating chapters, I want to alternate books and um, mm-hmm. I want to shift perspective and the story. It's one big story. Each book, though, is its own story, beginning, middle and end. But they're all part of a macro story, which now in book three uh, begins to take shape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You generally are fairly comfortable writing first person, right? Like your mm-hmm. other books that you've ri- written, um, Country of Eternal Light and uh, the very first one, Elizabeth. Those are also first person, right? Uh, Elizabeth is not. Um, Elizabeth is in the third person. And I think it's probably fair to say you can read my frustration in that novel. Okay. Um, but yeah, you're definitely much more comfortable with first person. Yeah, I don't. Um, I always struggled in third person because I think I, I can't remember Sugu if we talked about this on the pod somewhere or just offline. Um, but yeah, I've I've been a person who struggled always to sort of find my quote unquote voice, and that's mm-hmm. because I don't I don't have one. Um, I'm not interested in being in developing one. You think of Hemingway or you think of F. Scott Fitzgerald or Virginia Woolf or Dorothy Parker's people who have this voice in the singular, you know, immediately that, you know, in Hemingway's case, this, this sort of, you know, blunt sort of rhythmic thing. Uh, or even, uh, we were talking earlier before we started about Colm Tobin, who's one of my favorite Irish, uh, writers, writers in general, uh, is very, you know, uh, sort sort of Joycean uh, sort of approach. Uh, Joyce has always been attractive uh, to me in the third person because of how uh, sort of void of voice it is. Uh, early on, Dubliners, you know, the voices are the voices of people, Molly. Um, but um, I just I don't have a voice. I'm not I'm not a personality in the sense of those those types of things. I always struggled, but. but and, but that was it was fighting against the grain of myself because what I've always been interested in voices and the characters and the way that people sound and just sort of listening to that type of thing and so it was only when I sort of stopped fighting that and embraced just disappearing I, I think I said in uh, an episode we recorded last week that you know the the page isn't a mirror you're not you're not reflecting anything mm-hmm. you know there there isn't any Darby uh, so it's the object is both in Eververse, it's finding my way into these characters and hopefully disappearing. And then as same thing as in Country of Eternal Light, where you had asked me when we talked about that book about how do you get to how do you get to Maraid? How do you get to this person who is manifestly not Darby? Um, you just work and work and work. And fi- I think at some point, hopefully you disappear. And she just becomes, um, she has some sort of creative agency, starts talking to you. And I, I think in Abby's case, it's, it's easy to disappear because she simply runs right past you. Right. Let's talk a little bit about Ever Ever the Hero again as a kind of a primer to, to this, mm-hmm. to Nothing Ever Ends. Um, it was recently selected or chosen for an award or 
was highly praised. Can you tell me about that? It was um, it's was chosen to be part of the uh, first annual self-published science fiction uh, contest, for lack of a better word. So for several years now, Hugh Howey and uh, Duncan Sween have been running a sort of tournament of champions of self-published fantasy books. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hugh Howey, for folks who don't know, is a uh, definitely a self-publishing success story. He self-published his World Trilogy um, books, which have since gone on to be picked up by a traditional publisher and are now about to be, they're, uh, they're just now casting for a live-action series, which I think is Netflix or Hulu. Um, so the, there's a casting announcement the other day. Um, and then, um, so he's been doing this as a way to basically promote people in the field of self-publishing who are doing all this work, doing great work, often un- undervalued work. And uh, this year uh, was the first year that they've done it first just science fiction. So it's been fantasy. And so what they do is they they, um, they choose a number of books, uh, hundreds of books, and then um, those are then given to reviewers who are part of this sort of uh, the contest uh, I don't know if contest is the right word, but um, and then they're reviewed, and then they advance, so the reviewers all agree on books that advance, they advance. Basically, it's a tournament of champions at that point. There's a finalist who's agreed upon by everybody is, is the win- quote-unquote winner, but Ever the Hero was chosen uh, as part of the field for this first uh, science fiction go-around, which is enormously, um, it was just a great honor to be included in, in these books. It was also chosen to be part of the, um, the, in addition to that, there was a best cover contest of which there were far fewer uh, entries. Uh, didn't didn't win, but um, a lot of recognition uh, for the book right now, uh, Forever the Hero. Ever the Hero is, is done. I've been stunned, um, to be completely honest, at how well the book is done relative. Mm-hmm. It's not a New York Times bestseller, obviously. Um, but the book has performed very well. It's been reviewed very well. It got a review in Publishers Weekly, which was very um, uh, positive. Um, it's very positively reviewed in general. Um, it's been a consistent seller now for going on two years. Um, you know, uh, yesterday was day one for Abby. Um, I had a very good day yesterday in terms of just the series, um, and so this has been a long time coming in terms of sales, I should say. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I this has been a very long road to get here, and, and in many ways, this is just the beginning. I talked earlier, I think, incoherently about the sort of sense of finality. Um, it's actually just the beginning, and um, this is um, this is something I've been working towards creatively. And then the other part of it, which is just being, you, you are your own publisher, you are your own uh, business, that that part of it too has been a really big struggle. But I, I expected to sell maybe a copy to you, uh, maybe to my mom. <laughs> I'm a guaranteed sell. You know, <laughs> I thought that would be it. And you'd be like, yeah, no, that was interesting. Um, and then uh, that would be it. And uh, that has not been the case. Uh, Kit has... I don't. I think I can say without sounding too ridiculous that Kit really has legs, and she's 
someone the story has been appealing to people and i'm very grateful for that i'm very shocked by it and surprised and uh but uh, very grateful because um I, I love kit i love these characters i love the world and uh i love i love growing in it and the books i feel like it my only regret about ever the hero is that it's it's uh the book is the book is two, almost two years old publication wise the book is much older than that uh writing wise and um it's uh you see it's imperfections now uh, <laughs> I, I look at my books and i just see what's what's sort of not working but sure. um uh kit is a character i love returning to we're going to take a quick break to let you know about some exciting developments on the podcast first of all thank you for listening we hope you're enjoying it uh, if you like our content and you want more of it, you can subscribe to our channel and get additional conversations between Sugu and I. So stick around after the episode for a quick sample of what you could get. If you want to give us any feedback, feel free to let us know your thoughts and opinions at shelfwarmers at gmail.com or on Twitter at shelfwarmers. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. Yeah, there's there's a lot to that I will kind of want to pull the threads on a bit more um, sure. than what you just said, but uh you know congratulations on the contest and the cover uh one of the things that i was leaning towards was um you had mentioned that abby and kit were girlfriends so you told me once that you got a a really positive review in terms of lgbtq related it's generally been very positive yeah on as far as folks who the representation yeah Mm -hmm. Um, the books are the women so far to this point, uh, books one, two, and three, the girls are all, um, uh, they're lesbians and by Valine is bisexual. Um, but it's a little bit of a love triangle in these first three books. And, uh, as we go into book four, which I won't spoil here, the, uh, sort of change up that a little bit in terms of the character selection, but, um, and, uh, it uh, as far as the lgbtq part of it i'm very proud of uh, the representation in the book um i i'm i always get nervous because uh you know you always worry you don't ever want to do anything that sort of uh uh doesn't work or are offensive and there's a lot of focus on promoting healthy and positive examples of people and Abby in her own way. I mentioned earlier a little bit of Abby's story. I, you know, Abby maybe is not what I would consider 100% positive. I think she is uh, in her own way. She is very positive. Uh, she's someone who struggles with her uh, choices and, and she's a product of severe trauma and mm-hmm. uh, severe, uh, she's not had a very good run of it. And um, the best thing in her life is Kit Baldwin and uh, Abby makes a lot of mistakes, but she's she's just trying to get home. And I, mm-hmm. I hopefully people root for her. People understand where she's coming from, even if they're like, girl, what are you doing? Um, which is probably a lot. And uh, Abby wants, Abby, uh, her powers uh, are extraordinary. And this is a book, a series of people with superpowers. Abby can do virtually anything, and and Abby discovers some things about herself and her powers in book three, uh, which would be truly frightening for uh, certainly the people in the book. But uh, so Abby uh, Abby can run anywhere. She can run extraordinarily fast. You also can't kill her. 
Um, she, uh, her product of her power, her body runs at a metabolic temperature that um, she, her cells regenerate so fast that she basically can't die. You can kill her, but she won't stay dead. Mm-hmm. Um, for someone like me who's super interested in the idea of the multiverse, uh, the idea of someone who can't die confronted with infinite variations of themselves is was very intriguing challenge um, to confront. Sure. You, Abby is the last person on Earth that you would want to have infinite versions of. So without going into too much detail there, of the three main characters that you've got so far, Kit, Valine, and Abby, uh, who do you relate to the most? Oh God! <laughs> at, at this point, now having written uh, and published three books in the Eververse, I will say I re- I relate to Valine the least. Um, uh, I have nothing in common with Val. Val is a billionaire, uh, many times over, who has extraordinary power and influence. Uh, she's gorgeous. Uh, she has no want of lovers. I'm not jealous or anything. Um, okay. uh, she is though. Uh, so I struggled to connect with Val because, um, I didn't know a good way, sort of good way. And it took me a while, but, uh, Val is, um, also someone who is uh, deeply in want and need of family. And she is, um, very kind and loving person and uh has a lot of love that she needs to she needs to do something with she needs to give and then part of her story is about is about that not just in her book um one of the most complicated relationships in this series is val and abby and um they are they're bound up in a lot of ways and um they uh i that was one of the most fascinating things for me to explore was this Val, um, two people who um, are coming from completely different places, but have a lot in common. And yeah, I won't talk about that. But um, the uh, but I, I that was interesting. But I think Kit, um, I, I think Kit and I have a lot in common personality wise, uh, and I, I have a lot in common with Abby too. I, I think um, the. Uh, Abby and I have nothing in common in terms of um, Abby runs uh, at 180 sort of all day long. Um, and Abby is sort of a very ebullient, effusive uh, person. I am not. Uh, people will be shocked to discover. Um, but uh, Abby is, is sort of um, uh, running so fast you don't see all of it. You don't see all the sort of the shadows and the cracks and the lines, and I think most of us can probably relate to that on some level. Yeah, probably Kit. I think probably Kit is the probably the person I have the most in common with. Um, uh, Abby, there's a little bit of me in Abby, but it's it's not it's not great. Abby is actually a, a Abby sort of an amalgamation. She is. Uh, a product I think of uh, she's she I, I this is no secret but uh, she's based on her voice and some stuff is based on someone I know uh, who I won't name here but um, and then she's also an amalgamation of characters like Kitty Pride or Willow from Buffy or even Velma from Scooby-Doo she's 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 kind of that girl in the narrative 
Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so the the kitty pride of it all is certainly there. Moving into the realm of publishing, you mentioned that you published this year, yourself. Now, we've talked before on the premium content uh, about publishing on your own instead of the traditional publishing. And yeah. then recently you wrote an article, uh, recently, yesterday, uh, you wrote an article about how Nothing Ever Ends is um, about how it came to fruition. Yeah. Is there anything you want to kind of uh, add to that before I start asking some questions? Um, not really. Except it was uh, it was some stuff that was on my mind. I've been I've been very reflective recently and thinking about this journey I've been on in the last. You know, this these books, Eververse, the series has been two years, but really this journey of being an author and uh, being uh, an independent author has been for ten. And uh, in some ways, that finality I was talking about has to do with that. This sort of feels like I'm finally moving past, moving out of and into, uh, moving out of something, moving into something new, hopefully. yeah. Moving into being an established writer. I don't know what I'm moving into. Uh, I, I, I don't know what's ahead. I know what, I know what the next book is, but I, do, I don't know what the next phase of this is. I really don't. Um, I feel like this is this last ten years has been a lot of um, stops and starts and explorations. I feel like I finally come into myself as a writer and an artist. I've learned so much about myself creatively, personally. Uh, I've developed all these skills I didn't have before. I never thought I'd have in terms of publishing and editing and all that stuff that goes with the process. Um, I've uh, you know, that's been wonderful. I, you know, I'd start as someone who sort of has a very negative view of my <laughs> capability in anything. I, uh, I, you know, I feel like I've grown a lot of ways. I don't, I, I know, I, all I know about the next part is that it's the next part. I don't know. I have no idea what's next. Um, I'm very apprehensive about it actually, but I'm also glad to put this, this first bit behind me. This first phase is you kind of getting your finding your feet in terms of writing and as being an author yeah um sort of finding out who might you know i talked a moment ago about voice you know i think for well going back to when you and i were at university i i trying to find myself then i mean that was 20 years ago as a writer and you know i I, I, we had great teachers and um people would tell me you have you have all this talent and uh you know but i I was it was sort of unformed and uh i was i was sort of in search of voice and um one thing i'll say for folks who are interested in creative writing you don't go to university or college to find a voice you don't go for four years and then they hand you a voice at the end um you you know you, you go there to sort of expose yourself to um ideas and different approaches and and great works and hopefully other people who then sort of activate you creatively and intellectually but I didn't come out of college with a voice I was struggling I've I've been fighting myself for most of my life trying to have a voice to be this sort of idea of an author and it and even as I knew I think subconsciously that I I I didn't care about that I did I did wasn't interested in that so it took me a long time to sort of accept that and then 
it was it's been a journey and then the publishing part of it part of the reason for my lack of success i think in trying to find publishers or agents is that i probably didn't read very well in terms of they they all like they all said you know there's you you're talented but the book probably didn't scan because it, it probably lacked a, a voice or the sort of thing stephen king likes to say that one of the most important things that readers look for in books that they keep coming back to authors they keep coming back to is the voice they want you know your stephen king is telling you a story as I said, I'm not that kind of writer. I'm not Stephen King. I'm not uh, Hemingway. You're not coming to me, I think, for Darby Harn. I think you're coming, hopefully, knock on wood, because the stories are good and they're interesting. And so in something like the Eververse, I'm rolling the dice pretty hard because um, if you like Kit, you might be disappointed that she's not the focus of two or three. If you don't like Abby... Gosh, you know, right? Like you probably, and then you know, for me, you know, it's like you you're probably not going to read it. Um, but just my interest creatively is is to just sort of explore different voices and different sort of lives. So it, that took forever to reach a point where I understood that and I accepted that and I embraced that. And I feel like now that I have, I've really grown. Mm-hmm. I feel like Abby, in some ways, is the best book I've ever written. I also think it's probably the most, it either works, or I think I said earlier, it either works or it doesn't. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are just not going to respond to this at all. Um, I think part of that is just Abby. I think people either like Abby or they don't. I know <laughs> some people don't, they've, they've told me. So, um, you know, that's just her personality. So I can't do anything about that, but ho- hopefully, she, hopefully she wins over some people. Well, I'll, uh, whenever it arrives at my door, I'll let you know how yeah. she responds to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so 10 years ago, uh, you sold the Book of Elizabeth. Um, if you mm. could, you know, expand on, on this multiverse idea, right? If mm-hmm. you could talk to, like, what other version of you... 10 years ago would you kind of want like what advice would you give that person oh gosh get um (laughs) we were talking about this offline um get a um i was very i was very um i i came out of college i didn't have a voice but i did come out of college and i did have sort of relative success i started selling short stories i had a lot of success very quickly that turned into I got an offer for a book contract from a publisher that I was very excited about. I was ecstatic. This was my dream come true. Is for two books, and um, I made a series of mistakes. One is is that I trusted completely uh, that the what I was being told in the contract as it was written. I also I didn't have an agent, so I had no one looking over my shoulder from a business or a legal point of view. Um, uh, if, if nothing else, there are a lot of resources out there in the world. If you're a, if you're a writer and you get an offer for a contract or any kind of publishing venture and you have questions and you don't have an agent, you maybe don't have anybody in your immediate friends or family who maybe can help you in that way. I want you to go to a website called Writers Beware by Victoria Strauss. And if you have any questions or concerns or you're just kind of wondering, is this legit? Or, hey, I just don't know what I'm thinking about. I don't know what to think of this. It's a great place to start. Ten Um, years ago, did that website exist? 
I don't know if Victoria was doing it then, but I certainly wasn't aware of it. And um, so in 2007, I sold this. I sold the book, Book of Elizabeth, my first novel. And um, it was scheduled to come out in 2009. And then there was going to be another book after that, which wasn't necessarily a sequel. could have been something else, but I did have ideas for sequels for Elizabeth. So everything is fine at the beginning. And then um, I think I would just tell myself one uh, your, your question, um, I'd probably tell myself to Google Victoria uh, back then, 2007. On one hand, what can you do? You know, you, you've, you, you, you sort of, it wasn't like I wasn't going to go forward with it, probably. But anyway, uh, 2009 turned into 2011. It was 2011 before I realized that the book was never going to come out, and I, I was getting nothing but excuses and obs- ob- um, just outright lies in some cases, and... Um, uh, there's lack of, and then I had a conversation, several conversations about what what is happening with the book that turned into. I realized that the you know that were either not answered or not answered effectively. That led to a conversation that realized where basically the um, I I to make a long story short, I ended up taking the rights to the book back, um, and I published it myself in sort of a fit of rage that. Maybe also wasn't the best sort of decision. I was just so angry, and I was so humiliated, and I was so um, I was so down that I was uh, I was like, I'll show you, I'll show you. And then I published it, and you know, of course, the book itself is I, I cringe whenever I think about it. Although to this day, I have people come up to me. I swear to God, people come up to me and tell me I love that book. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> like. Are you? They love the book. They, in the particular, they love Miranda, who is. I I always love Miranda as one of the characters in the novel, and um, I love Miranda dearly. And uh, a better writer would have would have made a better book, obviously, but would have done better by Miranda. Um, but um, but the biggest product of that experience, the the humiliation, the the disintegration of this dream. I lost four years of my life, and not only that, but I was so paralytic. It was so uh, corrosive to my confidence and my sense of self as an artist and a person that I wasn't writing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't write anything, and all of my ideas. I wrote the book. I submit. I submitted the book in like late '07, early '08 tops. And then I was like, here's my idea for book two. They all got shot down. They got shot down. Nothing was happening. I wrote 100, 150 pages of, uh, of an Elizabeth sequel. Um, I couldn't do anything. And now it's 2011. Now it's 2012. And now I'm in this sort of state of panic creatively. So I'm not writing anything. It's been five years. That continued. And we talked about this with... Um, when we talked about A Country of Eternal Light, that continued all the way to A Country of Eternal Light. I did not finish that book until 2015. I did not write a book. I did not finish a book between 07 and 15. Mm-hmm. And that was that was awful. That was truly, that was one of the worst. I thought I was never going to write a book again. And that, that was truly, uh, that was real panic. That was real despair. 2015, eight years of not writing. Yeah. How'd you break it? How'd you break that uh, that rut? We talked about it a little bit with country, but um, part of it was um, needing to make some changes in my life. One may detect a theme if they've been listening <laughs> to this entire episode. 
um, which I did. I left my job at the time and I moved to Ireland and uh, I was trying to reconnect. I was trying to go back and, and, and open my life up in different ways. I certainly did that. I definitely reconnected and that spark sort of just happened again. And I powered through what at the time with country, as I mentioned, and when we talked about that, um, was not a good book in the beginning. Um, it was it was a trash fire, but I had a book. I finally had a book, mm-hmm. and uh, and then it was from there. It was several more years of sculpting, but un- but finishing that book unlocked the um, just the 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 dam broke for want of a better term, and then that led very fairly quickly to Ever the Hero. Which yep. I started the novel. I started writing in late '16, and then I I wrote the three of these, the first drafts of these three books, in quick succession. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're writing, or I should say, you're working on these novels every day, right? Uh, at one point I was. Yeah. I yeah. haven't. I I haven't. Uh, I've to give people an idea where I am now. I have. Um, I've finished the first draft of book four. And I am due to start revising that. I have written about 20,000 words of book five. And there is a third novella, which people will see next year. There's a group of short stories that people will see next year. Um, I wrote a short story recently, which Sugi read, um, which is um, probably, I probably won't do much with. That was, that was sort of a little thumbnail sketch trying to explore something. Uh, you, but uh, mostly having to do with character, you will see that character in the story at some point. But I, I'm not actively writing every day right now, and that goes back to the burnout I was talking about earlier. Yeah. There was a point where this I was, I was all day, every day, sort of kit universe, kit verse, so Eververse, I guess, is what I'm calling it. And roughly, because I know that you're also working several jobs, roughly yes. how many hours were you writing Eververse a day? Um, an average day about four and, um, a big day, six or eight, you know, depending. Cause it's not all writing. It is a lot of it's revising. Mm-hmm. And at this stage it is sort of, um, there's no real linear progression to it. I'll be writing something. This happens quite frequently. This happened up until I probably shouldn't say this. Uh, this happened as recently as about a week ago where, um, there is um, there's something that happens in book four um, that uh, caused me to sort of reflect on something in book three that I made a, a change about in book three at the very last minute. Mm-hmm. So it's that type of thing. It's very yeah. circular, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but now book three is locked, right? It's out there until someone tells me that I missed a typo. You know? yeah, not for me. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so uh just so our audience knows i always buy your paperbacks i have a physical copy of books written by darby arn yeah um so that means if you make any updates to the cover or add in like an isbn on ever the hero i won't know the paperbacks are hard because uh uh, the ebook, well, the ebook is easy because uh, I can literally instantaneously make those changes, and I did it once in an airport, which shocked the hell out of the person I was with. <laughs> um, but the paperbacks are much harder, and they're expensive. 
uh, to make changes on. And those changes are a little bit more permanent. They're permanent forever in the case of the paperback because um, the there's actually been a few different versions of Ever the Hero paperback at this point because I've made updates just really to the the cover and the the, the back and sort of I sort of continue to improve and and things like that. So the earliest version of Ever the Hero, which you have, I think you have the first version. I believe so. I pre-ordered um, it, man. I, I should have the first version. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is a couple generations old at this point and so yeah there, there's all there all there are changes to all of them in that sense um and i would like to get to a point where i'm probably doing less of that i think mostly that's a product of i'm learning as i go as the the presentation of it yeah mm-hmm. but i think with abby i think we've kind of stabilized yeah okay somewhat <laughs> nice well, as we kind of wrap up here, um, I mean, there's several, several more questions, but we're kind of running short on time. Uh, is there anything you kind of want to finally add about uh, Nothing Ever Ends? Besides buy and read it. Right, buy and read it. Uh, leave a review if you're so inclined on Amazon and Goodreads. It does help out on the visibility of the books. Um, I, I mentioned a little bit at the outset, uh, before we get out of here, I'll kind of talk about the, the nine books. Uh, I don't know if I did that really. You mentioned um, it, but, uh, nothing much more than that. So this is, yeah, I'll just talk about that a little bit here. Um, I haven't really had a chance to talk about it at all. Um, mostly because I have been sort of holding that part of it close to the vest as you know, until Abby, but um, so this is nine books, um, the series, nine novels, and um, it'll be nine novellas and um, with stories and things like that. We'll see how what that goes. That's sort of less uh, structured. And this is nine books, and they're each um, just going to tell a story. It's not the only story, but it's it's the sort of the main story, the main the main thread of the Eververse. Um, each book has a different main character. With uh, Kit will recur. And um, I maybe won't say how or when yet, but um, Kit will come back as the main POV character in the future. But otherwise, these books will be all different. And um, um, I'm excited for people to kind of see how that plays out. So now we're going into Act 2. Act 2, as people generally know from sort of narrative structure, is when all the uh, stuff goes down. Uh, the bad stuff, the complications, and so this next group of books is is going to be the going to be challenging for uh, the characters and the world certainly. Book and, four, five, uh, and six. Four, five, and six, and um, so I'm actually kind of excited about that because I, I I'm going to do some things experimentally, structurally, uh, narratively that especially I cannot wait for book five book five i've been dying to write for years and book five i've been dying for people i'm dying for people to read um i i people are going to get to book five and if they've been reading along and they've been invested in the story they're hopefully going to be like wow what just happened um but i'm excited for that i'm excited for the whole thing uh will not this sort of this early sort of these three books this sort of seems like it's kind of happened relatively quick on a publishing time scale, it's a product of the fact that they were all written 
um, years ago, um, or started to be written years ago, this is going to, this process of the writing and releasing is going to slow down comparatively, um, as we go forward. So book four is done. Book five is, uh, on the launch pad. And, uh, uh, I'm really, I'm excited to do that. And I'm excited also, uh, to explore other stories and ideas too, because I, I love Kit. I love these stories, but um, there there are other days I want to hang out with other people. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, Ever the Hero came out in twenty twenty. Uh, January twenty, yeah. January twenty, and then Valine came out. Uh, Val came out in uh, October of 20, and she was meant to come out in January of 21, as Abby was meant to come out in January 22, and COVID has been the biggest impact here. Um, Mm -hmm. There was no reason to wait on Val, who was done. People were at home sitting, wanting stuff to read, and they were asking me about it, and so I moved it up a little bit, and so um, there's been three books in 18 months. That will not happen again. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a really rapid timeline. Even, even one book a year is quite rapid. Yeah, and it's, um, it's just a product of having I had a head start on writing in them. So sure, yeah, but that that will that will slow down considerably here uh, as we're going forward, and um, it will be at most it will be one book a year. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, again, for our audience, the book is called Nothing Ever Ends. It's out on Amazon now. Uh, If you don't see it on Amazon or if it's out of stock or anything like that, ask your library to get it because now your library can get it. Uh, Libraries can get it. And the paperback, you should be able to get anywhere you get your paperback. So if you just go online or your physical bookstore should be able to order it uh, wherever you are. Um, The... I mentioned. I think I mentioned earlier. Um, you said you're kind of waiting for it to show up. Um, there is. People may not be aware. Uh, product to co- another product to COVID is this uh, severe uh, paper shortage, supply chain due to issues. the lumber shortage. Yeah, um, all around the world, this having a cascade effect on publishing. Um, I have friends who are writers whose books have been directly affected by this. This affects. Even though I'm self-published, this affects me as well um, because uh, depending on where a person is, um, their book may not be immediately available given the supply chain issues. So the ebook, you can get it. You can download it right now today. It's free on Kindle Unlimited if you if you are a subscriber for that. Uh, the paperback hopefully gets to you as soon as it can. And I, I appreciate everybody listening and uh, definitely reading um, very, I, 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 I'm just, like I said, I'm stunned that anybody's interested in them, but I appreciate it for sure. And make sure to leave a comment or review on either Amazon or Goodreads. Let me know what you think. I, I, I'm a, I'm a writer. I love to hear from readers. If you hate it and you want me to die, um, maybe keep that <laughs> to yourself. But uh, no, I, uh, no, I, I, I do love hearing from people. I've been very lucky. Very fortunate people have reached out to me and very kind. Um, one person wrote me an email and told me that the world needs Kit Baldwin, and that should be a T-shirt, really. <laughs> so, so, I think it's time to start working on some merch. 
we got to get the merger. You mentioned action figures earlier. One of my big goals is uh, I do want to make a kit. I have a kit pop we've talked about yep. I, I, that I made. I want to make a kit sort of uh, figure, a Marvel Legends figure. I do have a plan for it. There's a the sort of the best sort of uh, base for her is sort of the Jessica Jones uh, Marvel Legends figure. She's got like the leather jacket. Um, I have yet to find sort of a like a head that sort of um, is makes the most sense. So I'm still waiting for that. But um, you know, the sort of sort of kit bash a kit together. So yeah. although I am going to make a Lego because I got um, been collecting the Legos as we talked about. I got a little Monica Rambeau, who I think is pretty good for kits. So I'm going to get. I actually have already figured this out. There's a Lego that has a little leather biker jacket kind of a gear. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna get I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna uh, kit bash together Monica and this figure. I'm gonna get a little kit kit Baldwin Lego. Well, prepare to start making several of those and you can sell them <laughs> included with the uh, included with the book. That'd be fine. I, I would do my dream is is Al and I, Al Hess, who does the covers for the books, we talked about this a lot. We both sort of look forward to the day that there are someday actual action figures toys of our characters i as a you'll be, you guys will be shocked to learn as an action figure connoisseur that i uh, would love ever the hero ever verse uh toys um, there would be a lot of cool toys to come out of these books action figures certainly <laughs> uh kit and uh, val and everybody the interdictor who is a jerk but would make a really cool action figure yeah. um uh someday someday we're going to wrap it up here. Thanks for participating and, and uh, answering all my questions. Uh, thanks for your answers and input. Thank you. That'll do it for today, folks. Thanks again for joining us. Once again, I'm Darby Harn, and you can find more information about me and my books at my website, darbyharn.com. I'm also on Twitter at Darby Harn. Sugu, how can they find out more about us in the podcast? You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can reach us at our email address, shelfwarmers at gmail.com. Send us feedback about the show, your thoughts, opinions, recommendations, and insights on our perspectives. We're always happy to hear from you, our audience, and we'd love to share your opinions on our next show. Again, that's shelfwarmers at gmail.com. And if email isn't your thing, we're also on Twitter. You can reach us at shelfwarmers. Give us a holler. We have new episodes every Friday. As always, remember to stay safe, wash your hands, practice social distancing, and get vaccinated when you can. Stick around to listen to a free clip of more content from us. Subscribe today and you can hear the rest of the following and more. Bye-bye.